Blog Talk Radio. Mm, politics. The world of politics. That's why we do this show. We love it. Sometimes we uh sometimes we love it a little too much. Uh Eric Beasley, I know he loves politics. That's why he's he's joined me tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun little hobby to have. Yeah. It sure is until uh until it's not fun. Because sometimes yes. it's not fun. Yes, there's a there, there's there's a seedy underbelly of everything. It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know, a, it could be a a fancy Ritz Carlton hotel or it could be politics. There's always a there's always a downside that most people don't see on a daily basis and most people never find out about. Oh yeah. So and you know we're we're here to talk about it. Yeah, there's a dirt basement to uh, some old some old homes. So uh, <laughs> so we're going to jump into jump into the uh, the dirt basement. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail with Eric Beasley. You can find us on the web at aminordetail.com. Eric is a co-editor of our website. So we're, uh, we decided to do a, a show tonight, um, talk about our passion, but to also talk about the baggage that comes along with that. Um, Eric's idea for this show um, was fueled in part because of and due to uh, – some certain events that unfolded. So, um, Eric, you just you, you have the takeaway into this, and then I mean, really, this is you're leading the show, and um, I'm here for ancillary background and to add to the discussion. So, <laughs> well, of course, yeah, Ryan. I mean, I think uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of our listeners have been um, keeping up with uh, you know my my recent postings. Um, so, I mean, let's just you know let, let's start at the beginning with this. That's that's the best way to go. Um, you know, I got involved in politics a couple of years ago, and uh, I always knew when I started getting involved that at some point somebody was going to start digging into my past. Yeah. And honestly, my past is not exactly, uh, you know, I wasn't a Boy Scout. I actually, I, I quit Boy Scouts, um, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, this, I mean, I guess really a lot of this started probably when I was about, about 15 or so, um, you know, basically a negative home life and uh when i was 15 that's pretty much when the internet got invented and so when the internet gets invented and people realize they can go online and search around for solutions to their problems uh sometimes people put the faith in the wrong uh, in the wrong areas and uh, my parents were two of those people um they they used the internet to find this uh this magical paradise place called uh, casa by the sea um, it was, it, you know, there's pictures of kids riding horse, horses on the beach and, uh, you know, this, this wonderful program that would take your kid in and fix them. And, uh, so after some internet research, not even actually going down to the place, um, as a 15 and a half year old kid, my, uh, my parents shipped me out. Um, you know, I've obviously, wow. I mean, I, I hate to toot my own horn. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a decently smart guy. You know, mm-hmm. I've always had a extreme, extremely good grades. It's not that I was having any problems at school. It was just, you know, teenage rebellion. What, what do teenagers do? You know, they, they listen to loud music, especially in 2001. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's what I did. And, and let me tell you, Ryan, like you just, you name something bad that can happen to you. And I, Base, I pretty much went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, I was I was down there in Mexico for 28 months, and I can any if if you've ever read a chapter in a book 
in a psychology book about torture or brainwashing or any, anything of the sort, I've probably had it done to me. Um, well, in, what happened in Mexico? You went once. to Mexico for what reason? Um, it was a uh, well, teen- like I said, basically teenage rebellion. You know, I didn't want to listen to my parents. I, yeah. uh, you know, I think I, I might have skipped curfew once or twice. Um, you know, ar- you know, obviously arguments with them, yelling and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, kind of like every single kid's teenage years that you have ever heard of. Um, Nothing out of the ordinary, you know. Honestly, it, you know, everybody always gives me crap for this, but no, I didn't smoke weed. Even though I grew up in California, I wasn't a pothead, I wasn't a stoner. Yeah. Yes, I wore Vans back in the day, but, you, you know, know that everybody wasn't... wore Vans. I had a pair of Vans. Yeah, yeah it, it was as mandatory as having, like, an Offspring album, you know, and, and that one Hot Topic shirt. Um, so I had a, I had a Hot know, Topic, uh, I think it was a wrestling shirt. It was like a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. Oh geez, from WWF Attitude Era. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, so so I I go down there. Um, you know, woken up in the middle of the night. These two enormous people drag me out of bed, uh, throw me on a plane, drive me down to Ensenada, Mexico. And uh, you know, it was, it's funny, right? One of the one of the most vivid memories I have of of being down there. Um, the first, I the the moment I walked into the into the building. Uh, you pass through these like red gates, okay, ominous red gates, and uh, the staff member named Arturo uh, came out, and uh, he took one look at me, he looked down at my shoes, then he looked back up at me, the first thing he said was, so you have any weed in your shoes? And I just kind of like, like, I, I literally didn't know what to say. And so, of course, being the smartass that I am, my response was, oh, yeah, all the time. I got, like, socks full of them. And <laughs> so, what's it, so Arturo's like, oh, oh, we got a funny guy. Okay, so he takes me up to the third floor of this building. And the second that I walk into the door, Arturo grabs me by the arm and the neck and throws me through the air about four feet into a wall. Um, wow. One of my shoes came off at the time. So he picked up the shoe and, you know, he, he basically made a joke about, oh, so I guess you didn't have any weed in here. I'm like, yeah, I, what makes you think I smoke pot? Well, come to find out, the entire facility is full of people that do such things and were engaged in such behavior when they were at home. And, uh, you know, I was a little out of place. So that's what ended up making me stay there for so long. Um, I was, but what, you know, was it, was it a place? I mean, when you say you went down, was it like a, a boys kind of like a, I, I, I'm not sure what it, what it means. You have to forgive well, me. the, uh, it, it was it was basically a boarding school with a okay. like quote therapy element to it, and uh, you know so so of course the boarding school I mean it's Mexico so you can imagine this the sorts of living conditions um, there, um, you know you're talking, I mean heck I'm sitting in my office right now you're talking you know four six eight people in a room the size of you know your average like home bedroom, um, you know you, no no contact with the outside world. Um, you know, a good a good example that I give is, uh, you know, I was I was actually down there in Mexico when 9/11 happened, and uh, I, you know, we didn't know anything about it. We just got told, hey, something bad happened. Like, if you live in New York, we're, we're letting you call your parents to make sure they're okay. Um, and it was about two years later that I finally like saw pictures of what had even happened. Um, you know, I was totally isolated, insulated from that event. And but you, so, you, you know, went to school there. 
yeah, this was this was this was twenty four seven. This was you lived there, you went to school, you went to these brainwashing seminars. I mean, this was a like you know, <laughs> you you had your bag packed and you stayed there. Um, you know, one time I actually I actually uh, I caught hypothermia my first winter there. Um, because basically they 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 force you to you know sleep with all the doors open. Uh, and your parents they have, knew about all this. I mean, they they knew what they were sending you to. No, no. This is the, the all of these bad things that I'm describing. The 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 place down there had a perfect way of 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 silencing any opposing view. Was they just said, well, your kids got sent here because they're a manipulator and they're a liar, so you shouldn't believe them. You know, they're only saying these things because they don't want to work the program and improve their life. You yeah. know, a bunch of bunch of nonsense. Okay, I mean, the first, I actually I actually got in trouble. Because I sent a letter to my parents stating that, well, I'm sick now. I actually got hypothermia, and I have I contracted an infection because of hypothermia. Um, I had a like a basically a sheet like you put on your bed. Um, that was the only blanket that I had, and there was no heat in the rooms either. Um, you know, no. I mean, it was it was on the coast, so you don't think it gets that cold. But when it's 45 degrees outside and you have a single blanket um, and you're wearing t- a t-shirt and shorts to sleep in, you know, after a couple of days, you kind of your your body just can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up actually getting hypothermia and an infection. And I got in trouble because I asked my parents to send me a blanket. Their response was, well, you're just manipulating us because you don't want to be here. You don't want to change your life. Um, the facility provides blankets, so stop lying about it. Wow. Um, you know stuff like that. I actually, and then after that, actually, um, I had um, a couple of people gave me like you know blankets so that I could actually like survive the night. Okay, um, I mean, and hell, honestly, that's like <laughs> that's like the light stuff. Okay, I remember one time, uh, one time I got in trouble. I think, uh, I, who, who knows? I could have stood up without permission. Okay, you think of a stupid rule like that's what we had to follow, and uh, I actually ended up uh, having a. I had to do jumping jacks for two hours straight, uh, barefoot on a uh, concrete pad. Um, I couldn't walk for a week. Um, I literally had blisters along my entire my both of my feet up and down. I had blisters on top of blisters. Um, there was a little like ooze spot where I had been doing jumping jacks, and that wasn't from the sweat. That was from the pus coming out of my feet. Um, oh. You know, not no medical treatment whatsoever. Um, obviously, so basically, um, hot water and soap is what I had to take care of it. Thank God I didn't get it infected because my feet would have fallen off. Um, I mean, that's just the physical stuff. And you know, Ryan, like I look back at the physical stuff and I tell you what, like I've been through some pretty rough physical times in my, in my day and, uh, the physical stuff was bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, 15 year olds shouldn't be going through that type stuff. Like wait till you're 18, wait till you're an adult. You know, and then go join the army if you want to, and you can deal with the same type stuff. But uh, 15 year olds shouldn't be shouldn't be going through that. You know, I'll, I've, I look back at the physical stuff, and I'm like, well, you know, that just made the army easier. It's the uh, it's the mental man. That's what that's what got that's what gets to you. The uh, the brainwashing. Yeah. This like this like process of um one that one that always one that I guess you could. The one that haunts my dreams the most is uh, there's a there's a process that you have to go through where uh, you visual you're supposed to visual it's like a guided meditation and you you have to visualize yourself on a boat having this party you know you and all your friends are successful in life now and then boom the boat hits an iceberg and you and you're and the boat's sinking and there's only one lifeboat 
And basically, you have to vote. You have five votes to vote for each seat on that lifeboat. And then they, whoever ends up winning the vote, basically they sit in the middle of the room in the, the fake lifeboat. And then everybody else is basically imagines themselves drowning. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's sound effects and everything that go with this. And then they, give, they take a piece of paper and put it in front of you, and you have to draw your, uh, your headstone. Mm-hmm. You have to write your own obituary. You have to, you know, do some <laughs> – you got to do some really fucked up stuff <laughs> about wh- what would happen if you died. And it's, that t- it's those sorts of things that, that, that just mess with your head more than some blisters ever could. And uh, I apologize to everybody for dropping the F-bomb, okay, now before, before giving me angry messages. Um, <laughs> you know, that's there, – there's others. There was one, uh, you know <laughs> there, – there was one seminar process where actually uh, they, they pick like a skit. And uh, you have to fill this role of whatever this um, angry, disgusting seminar facilitator decides you should fill. And uh, mine was uh, twice in a row, because I went through the seminar twice, was uh, Pointer Sisters. So I had to dress up, had to put on a dress and dance around. And basically, if you didn't put on the dress and dance around, um, then they, they gave you they gave you a consequence which basically set you back to level one zero points, like the entry points of the program. It was considered a refusal. And so you basically have to do whatever it is they tell you to do or you're, you, you start over from the beginning. And, uh, you know, some <laughs> there was that. There was a, um, the, another seminar we had uh, called Accountability. Um, that one, basically the entire goal of that seminar was you're supposed to look at somebody and in 10 seconds um, give, them so, give them feedback. And the meaner your feedback was, basically the more successful you were in that, in that seminar. Um, to the point where, I mean, and accountability, this is, where, this is where I have to say I'm glad that I wasn't a woman down there. Um, accountability, this is the type of environment where, you know, if a kid tells a, a female student that, it was their fault that they got raped. Oh. That that student that gave that feedback got bonus points for it. This is like the, this is where the nasty stuff would happen. Um, you know, everything is your fault. Be accountable for it. You chose to wear that dress. You know, all the things that we've heard are completely wrong for the last fifteen years. Like that's the sort of brainwashing processes that I that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely disgusting. And I tell you what, honestly, Ryan, I've I lasted a long time resisting what this program was, was trying to sell me. I spent a long time. I, I spent about 19 months basically saying, screw you. I'm not going to do this because this is wrong. And after 19 months, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. I, all these things that I just described, I had to turn around and I had to start doing them to other people because that was the only way for me to succeed. And that was the only way for me to get out of there. Right. And, oh, my gosh, I, you know, when I look at it in retrospect today, Ryan, <laughs> in retrospect, if I was there right now, I would have, I would have, <laughs> I would have locked all the staff in a room and I would have hijacked a bus and I would have drove us back to the U.S. That's mm-hmm. what I would do with my knowledge, my abilities today, you know, but I, 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 I fought the good fight. I resisted as long as I could. I was, I, you know, and I always tell myself, yeah, I may not believe it, but I always have to tell myself I was just a kid. There's only so much that I could do. This was not a normal circumstance for a, you know, a, a teenager to go through. And comparing 
me today with my abilities and my knowledge is unfair to expect me half my age to be able to do it. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I know, I know what I did to people when I was there, well aware of it. I know that I know a couple of those people that I was excessively mean to. I know a couple of them. They actually, uh, I know one of them's in jail for life. I know a couple mm-hmm. others. They've, uh, they've killed themselves in the time being. There's a couple that have just completely disappeared. Uh, nobody's ever heard from them at all. I mean, this is, and you know, I, I live with that. I live with that every day. And, you know, my, my counselors and my friends will always tell me, you know, like, look, Eric, you, you did what you could. Okay. You had to, you had to take, you had to prioritize yourself and honestly, it doesn't make it feel any better. I, I, I really, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably my second biggest regret with that whole, that, that era of my life. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, that's a, yeah, a tough man, one to I mean, follow I'm, up on, Ryan, you know. <laughs> well, uh, you know, take us into today. What's, you know, you have a lot of life experiences, you know, being out of Mexico and then going to, uh, and then going to, and, you know, you're spending time in the Army and, and you know, that's, yeah. that has to be a exhilarating but also a traumatic experience based upon what you have seen, especially overseas in a time of war. But, uh we're we're here on the present day and you know we're, we're we're both in politics we both have a past but people have uh lately have drawn you to a point where you've released three different articles um and you you you've you sort of I don't want to say you, you took back your narrative but you you went on the offense and did something that I've done before but not quite like that but I've done it in a different way and I'm hoping to do some more of that this evening, but uh, yeah. let's talk about that. What's what's going on in that front? Well, I mean, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, everybody's read the articles. I have a I have a long past, okay. And the things that I guess some people think are bad, honestly, they're they don't even rate in my top three, given what I've what I've been through already. Um, you know, so I guess let's uh, well. I was very, very brief in my article, um, but uh, you know, I guess I can expand out on a little bit. Um, I'm on my second marriage. My, I, I, I was married to my when I was married to my first wife. Uh, you know, part of me wants to go into the details, but honestly, I don't think that they're. <laughs> all I have to say is she was crazy. Okay. Been um, there, done that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I can hardly describe how crazy she is. Um, now, basically, stuff happens. We get a divorce. Okay, during right. the process of that divorce, it was not just—it wasn't just like you know, trying to win the divorce. It was trying to destroy me. I mean, I, I mean, I can't like like quite literally. She had she had basically basically the day she walked out of the house she had already gone down and filed restraining orders and filed all this other legal stuff I didn't even have a chance to do anything like quite literally I didn't see her for like weeks okay before she had left okay she was before she had like finally said like we're we're divorced okay I don't know where she, well I knew where she when was. were you That's when were you married Eric. Uh, when was I think we got married in like 2007, 
Okay. And so all of this, oh, uh, this exercise that was a bad year for started. Me. Yeah, 2007 for both of us apparently, um, and uh, you know, so all this started happening in uh, um, Christmas time, 2010, um, and I just had man, Ryan, I, I I just had the book thrown at me. It didn't matter what I did, like I I I could literally, <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere without a witness. Because I knew that if I sneezed wrong, somehow that I'd be threatening her, okay? Or like, you know, at that time, okay, I was a specialist in the Army, all right? Mm-hmm. My dispensable income in a given month was about 200 250 bucks, and I had to buy groceries with that, you know? She, she had spent three weeks calling my command complaining that she didn't get enough money. And I, like, showed my commander, like, well, this is how much money we make, so what do you want me to do? There's literally no more money. Like, she can get a job <laughs> was, was the whole thing. And so, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was an absolute mess, okay? And during this whole fiasco of this divorce is when uh, I don't even – basically, somehow I ended up with a whole bunch of criminal charges against me. Okay, I don't even know what I did. I quite literally, if you, you know, in, a, in part three of the article um, of the series that I wrote, I actually posted the documentation from it. It's, it's sitting there plain as day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now, of course, you know, everything, everything's expunged, so you can't see it. You can't see all the restraining orders that you filed against me like, like a week, like every single week. You can't you can't see that anymore because I, I had all of that stuff taken out of the public record, okay. So it's easy to sit here, you know. Basically, what 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 happened? I guess yeah. Let, you know, let, let's rewind. So over the summer, okay, um, I was on the Maryland Young Republican board. I was the treasurer. Okay, there was a, a man named Jason Reinstein who was on that board. Now Jason, he's a lawyer, right? Yes, from what I hear, a very bad one at that. Um, <laughs> so Jason Reinstein was acting as the proxy for Brian Griffiths, who, because he likes to keep, try to stay in control of stuff, he made sure that the past chairman of the Young Republicans still had a board seat so they could, so he could still in, try to influence the organization. So he just had Reinstein appointed as his proxy because, of course, you know, he's, he's, he's too important or something to actually, like, do his job. Now, uh... Jason Reinstein didn't like something that we did. Okay, he didn't like the fact that a land hurricane came through um, the eastern shore when we were having a fundraiser. Right. Okay, quite literally a land hurricane. I know because I drove there. I drove there from Brunswick. Okay, it was like two and a half hours to get out there. Okay, I drove there the day of the event, and we ended up having to reschedule it for the next day. So I drove out there the next day. Okay, <laughs> and he didn't like how we handled it apparently. Okay. Obviously, he didn't go out to the site, and he didn't do anything about it. He, he didn't even buy a ticket to go to the fundraiser, but he wanted to complain about it. So he starts complaining about it, and then he sends an email basically saying that he's going to sue the young Republicans for, I, I don't know, some mindless lawyer drivel stuff. You know how these, these, these people are. Okay. Then about 20, 25 minutes later, all of a sudden, he comes back, and he's instead of have, having something to do with the subject, instead what he does is he starts trying to dig into my past. Okay, yeah. he he quite literally says in follow up to my last message, 
the last message was concerning do what I tell you or I'm going to sue you. Okay. That and then then he sends a message basically saying, "Hey, I I I see all this stuff happened in 2010. Like you have a criminal past." Okay? That that's what he did. Now, he says that it's not blackmail, okay? Because he's a scumbag. That's why he says that. Okay? It is very clear that he wanted me to do exactly what he wanted me to do. And he, was, he threatened to release this past information if I didn't do it. Okay? Anybody that's not a lawyer can sit here and see exactly what he said and exactly what he did. Okay? So that's all fine and dandy. You know, it's some little scumbag lawyer out in Annapolis that lives in his mom basement, mom's basement. Go ahead, blackmail me. Okay, try it. All right? Now, luckily, and you know, I'll give him credit for this, for this, Ryan. The uh, the young Republicans were not very happy about this. Uh, Reinstein got a series of angry emails from many, many people after this. Okay, especially people on the. Okay, now if they want to call in and talk about what they said, then they're more than willing to. But I'm not going to put words yeah. in their mouths. Um, so that was that was basically phase one. All of a sudden, Jason Reinstein, who is in that um, that little red Maryland cabal over there in Anne Arundel <laughs> County. Um, he, 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 he didn't like something that was going on on the board, so he dug up dirt. Okay, big whoop. Okay, however, here's the problem with all this, Ryan. Those records that he pulled up, the thing was is that those records were expunged, okay? There's, yeah. it, there's this process in Maryland, okay? What I was... What I was um, because the prosecutor realized that their case was falling apart, they offered a plea deal. And because I just wanted to end it. Okay. I was trying, I had a, I had way more important things to do than deal with some nutbag feminist prosecutor and some nutbag classmate feminist divorce attorney that were quite literally out to get me. Okay. <laughs> I, I said in the first article, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, Ryan. My lawyer looked at me one time and he was like, in, in all of my years of being a lawyer, I've never seen somebody this professional. And I, I, I just kind of looked at him quizzically, and he said, you know, he said, I'm a defense attorney. I just represent you. That's all that I do. Usually prosecutors are reasonable with me. They understand that I'm doing a job, that, you know, I as a defense attorney, this is, you know, this is not an adversarial relationship. He was like, that woman hates me. He's like, I've, I've never met her before in my life, but she is the most vicious little wench that you could possibly imagine. Okay? Like, so that, th- this, was, this case was personal. This was not about justice or not about law. This case was a personal grudge. I have no idea why. Okay? Now, because of that, because of the, the lack of legality in a lot of in parts of my case, I got off probation a year and a half before I was scheduled to, okay? Got off probation, and then as soon as that three-year mark hit, I filed for expungement. That right. means that all of my records, they, they get locked. I actually I spoke with a clerk of a circuit court here in Maryland who informed me that when a case is expunged, it gets wrapped up in a special – it puts a, it's put in a special envelope and thrown in a basement, and it's basically forgotten about. There's no way to find it. Like, she, she, apparently you have to manually go and find it sifting through boxes, okay? So I, you know, when I did that, I thought that it was done. I thought that expungement actually meant expungement. But apparently, (laughs) when you're a slimy lawyer, 
okay? You could get around expungement, okay? That's how Reinstein was able to find this stuff. Uh, you know, he didn't, it's not, there, he didn't even find the outcome of the case. He didn't find anything about it. All he found was that at one point charges had been filed, okay? That's it. You know, I mean, first off, to be honest with you, I think that it's pretty, pretty gross that Maryland has a law to expunge these records, but they don't mandate private companies to get rid of these records like LexisNexis or any of these other organizations. Okay. If people have an, if people commit a crime that justifies expungement, okay, then everything should be expunged. Right. All right. That's, that's just common sense here. Okay, maybe one of those Maryland state legislatures should get on it. Um, I might write an email to like David Wood or somebody. He seems to like uh, you know criminal justice reform. Um, but uh, so all that madness happened, right? Now, over the next few weeks, basically some other people ended up getting involved in this whole uh, why are madness with Jason Reinstein. All right, that specifically was. Uh, the chairwoman and the executive director of the Maryland GOP. Okay, Diana Waterman and Joe Cluster. Now, uh, you know, Joe sent us an angry email, you know, complain, basically complaining that, you know, people were doing things. Um, you can, if this is all in part two of the, uh, the people who facilitated the blackmail part two, so you can go and read it for yourself. Um, Part of this was basically Joe was trying to get an agreement between everybody so that the the madness would calm down. You know, Republicans, we do have work to do. Okay, we don't need to worry about trying to dig up dirt on other Republicans. You know, unless you're a slime ball, of course. Now, we had a conference call, and I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't record it. I know who was on that conference call. You can see in the email, okay, Corey Boone, Kristen Long, Tommy Rodriguez, Brandon Cooper, Nicole Waugh, and I believe Dan McHugh was also on it, okay? So they were there on the phone call. So, you know, <laughs> if somebody doubts my story, you can ask them, okay? Basically what happened on this phone call is that uh, Diana Waterman and Joe Cluster, you know, it, 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 was, it was a party over principle phone call, Okay. They didn't care that I was being blackmailed. They didn't care that it was affecting my family. Okay, when I told when I told Elise about this, you want to know how Elise reacted, Ryan? Elise, your wife. I just want to clarify. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Elise mm-hmm. is my wife. Um, Elise was basically said, "Well, how soon can we leave?" Yeah. Her response when I told her what Reinstein did was, "How long would it take to pack up our house and go somewhere else and live there? Because I'm tired of this coming up." Like she's like, I'm tired of people trying to use this to control you. It's not fair and it's not right. Okay, people make mistakes. Get a, get on with it. Okay, deal with it. All right, yeah. stop trying to use it to control me. Okay, and stop using it, especially when it's affecting my family. Okay, and after that, I tell you what, you know, at least told me take the gloves off. You know, at least it's the sweetest person in the world. And when somebody like Elise tells you just take the gloves off and deal mm-hmm. with these people, that tells you how far they went. Okay, and that's how far Jason Reinstein went. And mm-hmm. then that's what that behavior is. What Diana Waterman and Joe Cluster supported. They endorsed it. They they allowed it. Okay, they enabled it the entire way through. Okay, what you know you know what they were concerned about, Ryan. They were concerned because Jason Reinstein helps candidates fill out their legal paperwork, and they were concerned that if that basically 
they wanted to make sure he could still do that for the Republican Party. Okay, and they didn't want to have to deal with a negative story about the Republican Party. Okay, they didn't care about my family. They didn't care about me. They didn't care that I was literally being blackmailed because somebody wanted to try to control me. They didn't care that the person that was trying to control me was their little lapdog down there over at Red Maryland. Okay, they didn't care. What they were interested in was promoting the party. Okay, not about values, not about principles, morals, none of that. They abdicated all of it because they are more interested in self-aggrandizing and self-promotion. And, you know, this is the stuff we complain about Democrats doing all the time, okay? We complain about Democrats, how they won't criticize their own, because it's party over, because in Democrat world, it's party over principle. Like, well, guess what, people? The Republican Party in Maryland is just as bad, okay? The people that run this Republican Party right now, just as bad, if not worse, Okay, And those are the people that you send your money to. That's the people who you give up your nights and weekends to support by going and knocking on candidates. Okay, the, This is who they are. As far as, you know, I had never really even talked to either Diana Waterman or Joe Cluster until all of this started happening. Okay, And you know what? If they were moral people, this would have never happened. Okay, If I was chairman of the Maryland Republican Party and somebody pulled this crap... I would have blacklisted that person in a heartbeat. Well, let me okay. let me and uh let me let me just uh step in for a moment uh yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> Sorry, so, you know, I I don't have those similar feelings for Joe and Diane in all fairness. I mean, I I and you know, of course I would never take away uh your feelings, but um you know, I have a much different relationship and uh it's been very positive for me. So I just, on you know, on the record, um, I, I, I feel I wish that we could, <laughs> you know, solve all this, right? So wouldn't that be ideal? You know, we could talk about this, but maybe maybe we're not there yet. And I'm I'm hoping that maybe at some point we could get together and um, and to hash this out because, um, you know, I I am fond of Joe and Diana. But I, I certainly see your point, Eric. I mean, you—it was wrong. I mean, what what happened was wrong, and um, yes. it wasn't—you know—it wasn't the first time. And um, I, I just think that um, maybe the whole situation could have been handled better. Of course, it could have been handled better. Yes. And uh, yeah, it needed to be handled better. Yeah, okay. You know, and, you, you know, black, I, this. I, mean, I saw those emails. I saw what you wrote, and um, you know I don't know Jason Reinstein, um, but I know another guy that associates with him who absolutely and fundamentally destroyed the Maryland Young Republicans. And I don't, I can't, you know, what I, what Jason did in my perspective wasn't the right thing to do. But what Brian Griffiths does on a daily basis to people, he is a slime ball. He is someone that you know. And I'll just go ahead and say, Brian Griffiths, you know, we're I'm, I'm a knight of Columbus, right? You know, we're it's a member of an organization, a Catholic yeah. organization, and uh, we're told that we're not supposed to attack one another. And Jeffrey Peters so kindly pointed that out to me. And, like, I don't even know who this guy is, and he's reminding me yeah, of my – Yeah, Jeffrey yeah, who? Yeah, who? <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey Peters, uh, who is like uh, – well, I don't even want to go into him, but – Brian Griffiths, um, you know, has said some horrible things about you, 
and and me, and I'm not going to let this guy get away with it anymore. I I, I am done with Brian Griffiths. Um, he said some horrible things about people that I care about that are untrue. Um, you know, and it's no wonder that Joe Stefan is makes him a butt of every joke. And what is their, their what is their defense? Oh, Joe. Joe's this, Joe's that. I mean, they never look at themselves. And Brian Griffiths is a narcissist weirdo with a serious problem. And I well, look, okay, Ryan, Ryan. The problem is not just him. Okay, we have to be fair in this. Okay, yes, he's a little turd. Okay, like my Brian name. Griffiths is worse than and my say, than my little wanna, kid's name and during a tantrum. Say, okay, Brian will say, "Oh, I'm living in their head rent free. Oh, I'm, I'm." You know, I just want to tell Brian, Brian, you, you don't even remotely touch the surface or in, affect my life in any way of any sort of consequence on any scale. Him mm-hmm. or any of his little cabal, like w- Brian Griffiths is mentioned in passing and most of the time it's in a joke. And it's yes, just fun. honestly – that's the best thing he's good for. Is he's 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 a good butt of a joke. Like that. I mean, that's about it. <laughs> it. There's not. You know, I've upset a lot of people in Maryland politics for speaking my mind, but it's mostly been on principle, right? And yes. you know, some people just don't like me because they don't like the way that I think or act. Um, and I'm a strong-willed guy, and I have my own perspective. But there's everybody in Maryland politics who knows Brian Griffiths doesn't like the guy. Does not like this guy. But his his comeback, his retort, right? Oh, I'm living in Ryan and Eric's head, and they're a little poorly listened to, and I'm getting under their skin. Brian, you are the biggest coward I have ever met in my life. You won't even come up to me in person and say what's on your mind. And this guy, you know, and, and it's not. I don't want to make the show. It's not the show's not about him because we're I, I, we're talking about some things that we have to own up to in our lives. But I just want to say, Brian, you know, I I don't care if you're listening because really I don't, you know, I don't I don't ever listen to Red Maryland. Um, only when, <laughs> only when people point out that you've uh, you've said something outrageous, and that's when I'll I'll tune in. But um, Brian Griffiths and people like him, uh, we don't think about you, buddy. You know, as much as you think that we do, you're 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 really only mentioned in passing as a joke, and it's just. Yeah. And it's just funny, you, you know. You're not somebody that I stress over because, quite frankly, um, m- me and about you know fifty other people stand in line have an issue with how you are. And the problem is, is that I don't ever take myself too seriously. Eric, you don't take yourself too <laughs> seriously. We don't, you know. Heck we write. No. This is a hobby for us, and we just sit. We sit back. We put something out. We 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 enjoy it. It it makes us better writers. And we have fun talking about politics, even if it's just us who are listening, or our immediate families, or our our, our ladies, um, or you know our core group of friends, and that's fine because we know that this is just a hobby for us. Um, yeah, but it's just a hobby. I mean, I go on WFMD and I guest host on WFMD. I mean, I'm going to be doing it on Thursday. Okay, WFMD doesn't pay me to do it. Yeah, I do it for fun. You know. <laughs> that's that's it. I do it for fun. I do it to spread, you know, some political wisdom and hopefully inform some people. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I do it. You know, greater point you know, is, is I that mean, the people at Red Maryland yeah. think that I mean, there's this some award-winning website, and then you know, all they get thousands of hits. Like, okay, that's great. Like, if you if Red Maryland 
truly does get the ratings or the, 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 the unique visitors to their website, then congratulations. Yes, they are covering things that we don't cover, but our, we never envisioned, Eric, that we would compete with them. That's not what we do, and we're not – first of all, we're not – their their political philosophy is a little bit different than ours. Um, yeah, drastically. It, yeah, and, and, and that's the point. We never expected to compete with them. Yes, um, you know, we know that they were sort of the first out the gate to kind of do the political blogging for the Republicans in Maryland in a long time, but – you know, when I, when we came along, it, it was never like, oh, we're going to go after Red Merrill. It's when they started lying about certain candidates, like Ami Hober, right? Um, well, they, but they—it's not even just Ami Hober. They lie about everything. They—they—they've lied about Katie Nash. Okay, they've lied about David oh, Brinkley. They've lied about off. Wendy Peters. Okay, they've lied. They—they've lied about the gay marriage uh, uh, bill that was passed in 2012. That's all they do is lie. Okay, you know that it's the, the list of people that have been lied about by Red Maryland is I, I don't even think our blog could actually handle that list of people because it would max out our website. Okay, that's all that they do is lie and misrepresent and deceive. You know, I mean, and heck, you know, I was in Iraq when Red Maryland was founded. Okay, I looked up the date. Yeah. All right. So when I was, was doing it? way more important things than writing a little political blog, okay? Like I was a little busy at the time, okay? I never and so have like, taken uh, – and, yeah. and exactly, Eric, you were honorably serving this country in a time of war, <laughs> and you know, you, yeah, just that just completely blows away anything that I'm going to say. But I'm but I will say now that I don't take my I don't take this too seriously. We put out an opinion. We do some. Sometimes Eric and I do investigative reporting. We're not trained journalists. Um, we we know that um, not everyone is hanging on to our our every word, and we just do this because it's truly a hobby. We both love politics. I love the process, and I like being involved and in my own way. And this is my own way of being involved in in the politics. And there's so much BS that goes into all of this that. I mean, ninety percent. I feel like in the last couple, maybe in the last year, has just been BS. Like just mindless fighting with people over inconsequential things versus us talking about policy, and we get sucked into it. And I'm guilty of it. Um, but I don't take myself serious, or I don't take myself or this or this non-paid gig that I do for fun entirely too seriously. It's just well, a hobby. Right. It's- Look, we pay to do it, okay? We pay yeah. for our own hosting, all right? So it's not – I mean, we do this because yeah. we want to. I okay? pay for blog you know? talk radio every month. You know, I pay yeah. 40, <laughs> 40 bucks a month for this. <laughs> yeah, we pay to be able to do this because we want to be able to spread the message. We want to be able to, you know, teach people a little, ba- little bit about liberty, okay? Yeah. That's why we do it, okay? Right. I don't volunteer in politics because I have some sort of, like – you know, I don't have a, I don't have a desire. I, I don't want to be a congressman. That's crazy. Okay, <laughs> I don't even want to be a state delegate. Okay, I think no. that's crazy. Look, hats off to you guys that want to do that. But honestly, I couldn't you know, imagine one, doing a part-time gig like that. And you know, so thing, like when I was in college, Eric, I was a goofy political science major, and you know, I started college in in 2003, and I spent a year. I thought I was going to be a music teacher, right? I love music. I played the saxophone. I was pretty decent at it. Yeah, I mean, a little bit about me. I, I I went to Duquesne University, and then um, 
and and then in 2004, I believe, I, I you know, it was my um, second semester, first year of my freshman year, and just about at finals time, I thought to myself, this is not what I want to do with my life, and really, I don't want to, I, I don't know. So I figured it out. Oh, um, I took a semester off. Um, I went to a local community college. I stayed in Hagerstown, um, and uh, I, I thought, okay, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? So then, what did I decide to do? In 2004, I never had any sort of interest in, at all in politics. Right? I, you know, I read the newspapers when I was a kid. I, I watched Meet the Press, but. I didn't know really anything. I didn't even know I was a Republican in 2004. I'm not like – I'm not one of those kids that grew up you know, from uh, you know, age 10 and said, oh, I'm a Republican and I'm going to go out and change the world. No, I was more worried about uh, playing soccer, going to Boy Scouts and hanging out with my it, friends it, and riding – Your prom you know, dates. Don't forget that. Yeah, I'm prom Jeez. dates. I had I – had, well, I had two really great prom dates. Uh and I, I, that was that's a, that's a, we should do an entire segment on prom dates. Uh, oh, but oh god, I, I'd have to remember their names. Jeez, yeah, sorry, well, girls. <laughs> I uh, no my 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 senior prom was really great because I I took my friend Meg and uh, we were truly just friends and she actually ended up going to the same university as I went to and uh, be and she joined the uh, she became our fraternity sweetheart. But anyway. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life in, in 2004. So I said, oh, well, I got involved with the, the, the Bush election, right? I'm like, oh, this, you know, George, George W. Bush, I like this guy. And then I was like, oh, then I then I hereby declare myself as a Republican. They're like, oh, you know, I, I always thought, like, oh, Democrats are weak on these issues. And I had absolutely no idea what my political philosophy was. I just thought, I'm a conservative Republican and – the hell with everybody else, and I'm just going to be Mr. Conservative, um, and I'm just going to toe the line and be a good Republican conservative. And then, like you know, I I go back to school uh, in in the spring of 2005 in January. I um, ab- abandon my dreams to be a music teacher and and decide I'm going to go into politics. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be president one day. You know, like every headstrong <laughs> political science major thinks they're all going to be president of the United States one day, right? <laughs> Until one of your teachers tells you there's only been one political science like made uh you know degreed person who's ever been president. He was one of the worst ones. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson. And then they tell you go public policy. Yes, Woodrow Wilson. Then they yeah. tell you go public policy. Yeah. Uh <laughs> exactly. So I thought, okay, I, I like policy. I love talking about political theory, but I'm thinking, man, if I if I would have changed my major like my parents told me to and go into and started majoring in business or accounting, I, I think I would have been uh, a little bit more squared off because I, I still I'm at 30 years old. I have an idea of what I want to do with my life, but I'm still on that pathway, and that's okay because I'm finding myself out what I really want to do, and uh, I'm you know I'm I'm doing okay and uh, I'm living each day. But anyway. Um, you know, in 2005, I'm. This is in the spring of 2005. Um, I am. I'm sitting in my college dorm room, and I'm serious when I say this. Facebook just was introduced to our university, like a, a couple <laughs> of days before. And and I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Republican, Mr. Conservative, and I'm going on there. My roommate, um, his name was Pete. 
Uh, he was a Greek guy. And uh, Pete, Pete and I are like figuring out Facebook. Like I swear to God, I think Pete was my very first Facebook friend, and I think he still is today. Um, and Pete was sort of like this moderate Republican, and I was the crazy white wing, right-wing lunatic. And so we're sitting in my college dorm room, and Pete, Pete's like, uh, did you hear about this gay-straight alliance coming? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is terrible. I'm Catholic. I don't, you know, we can't. So I'm like going on. I'm like, what am I like? I'm eight, 19, 19, right? 19 years old. Going on to Facebook, typing, um, you know, calling gay people or referring to them as, uh, in the action of being subhuman, right? And so I'm like, <laughs> my roommate and I were la- like, we thought it was funny and it was horrible. Like, and, and really it was just a really bad thing to say and really stupid thing to do. I'm like, why is it that so-and-so, and I use the word subhuman, I wasn't even thinking, Eric. It was the worst yeah, thing. Look, I, I, yeah, and, I'm, and, I'm and, laughing at you just so you know. Okay. No, I know. <laughs> For look, what you I did. Never, like, and everybody thought, oh, he hates gay people. Well, I, I didn't really care, but I'm just like, eh, I don't really – I don't really – I wasn't like a fan of that, but, but then – Everything sort of changed over time um, for me when I actually got into the real world, and this whole big thing came back to bite me in a big way. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still on the internet. And I, you know, I don't hate gay people. In fact, I have several gay friends, um, and I am, you know, I'm the one that actually voted for Question Six. And people were like, "Oh, Ryan, you know, you're only saying this because now you want to run for office one day." No, I'm saying this because. I was fundamentally wrong, and it was a shitty thing for a human being to say. No, I mean, why is it that people can't accept that, that my motivations were questioned? Well, that's one, that's one issue in my life. And, you know, I yeah. wish I could go back when I was 19 and do it all over again. And I, I just think that was such a dumb thing to say. And people still bring that up. Like, do you actually believe that? Hell no, I don't believe that. I was 19. I was sitting in a college dorm room being a jack-off and just, be, you know <laughs> – Heck it's it, like, hey, right at, at nineteen, I thought the Iraq War was a good idea. <laughs> so uh, I mean, hey, I, I said, oh, George W. Bush, you know, God love him, and George W. Bush made the right decision by going into Iraq. And uh, um, I wish I could just go back and do college all over again and just change that that life for me because um, you know, Eric, I I got into a relationship back in two thousand and five, and that's when I met my. Uh, my first really serious girlfriend, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then um, I thought... Please tell and, me she wasn't a political science major, too. No, no she was a supply chain management major. She, she was okay, in, well, that's, mine was a political <laughs> scientist, so that tells you, you know, her problem. Well, <laughs> no, and she was, um, you know, she, for, for what it's worth, um, at, when I, at the time that I met her, she was very sweet, and she... She, you know, she was. She grew up in uh, New York, and she, her family was Catholic, and she was a sweet girl and kind of shy. But I met her um, when I was uh, pledging a fraternity, and we had to do this joint sort of like production um, on on stage, and they paired us up. They paired Sigma Alpha Epsilon up with uh, a sorority, and I met this girl and. Um, I really fell for her, and you know, it was the first time I really think I said I love you to a girl. Um, and then, Aww. you know, yeah. And, you know, we sort of had our on and offs and, you know, being in college, you, you try out the meaning of a relationship and you, you learn as you go. And I didn't know what I was doing. And 
you sample the fare. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I just, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't even prepared, and I, I just, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so, you know, I met this girl, um, and then in 2006, um, in, in probably, I think it was in August, I, I thought I wasn't, you know, I thought, hey, this is the girl for me. And I was 20, 20 years old, Eric, okay, 20 years old. And I said, I want to spend the yeah. rest of my life with her. So I went out and bought a ring, and it wasn't the best ring, but it was a ring. Um, <laughs> and then I went up, and I did the old-fashioned thing. I talked to her dad. and uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, it was kind of like one of those weird sort of awkward talks where you're sitting on the couch, and then... He's like, yeah, I really like you. Um, but, you know, okay, you know, <laughs> you can marry. Sure, all right. You're 20. Like, just, like, what do you know about life? You know, he gave me the, you know, the pat on the head. Like, okay, go ahead. Um, look, and Frank, then I consider yourself lucky because Elise's dad is a corrections officer and one of the few people in California that can carry a handgun on at any time. So uh, I had to go talk to that to get permission. But at least you did. <laughs> and he's a third degree black belt. So. But at, but at least you did. So. Yeah, I did, um, I did that. <laughs> so anyway, I um, I asked this girl to to, to get engaged, uh, and we did. And she she said yes. And um, you know, this was in 2006. And you know, for <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but for several months we were very happy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and then our relationship in 2007, um, she she actually she was unhappy in the relationship. Um, and I, I don't think I was unhappy. It just, I, I think she was, she had already graduated. She was two years older than me. She had a job and she was around, um, more people. I mean, she, wait, wait, I was, right. She, right. She was two years older than you. Yeah. So this whole older women thing's not new. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, Go ahead, continue, continue. Okay, well, I'll let that one slide. Yeah, Kim's gonna come down. <laughs> Sorry, and, Kim. And kick. <laughs> Kim's Kim is a few years my senior, but uh, she certainly doesn't look like it. Uh, but anyway, so we um, we got engaged, and then in 2007, our relationship sort of went downhill. Um, little did I know, she was seeing somebody else behind my back, like. Uh, you know, she probably thought that I was the one, but she was actually she was seeing somebody, and I don't know why I'm laughing because the story really doesn't end well. Um, she was seeing someone behind my back, and uh, I didn't know about it. Um, and then in May of 2007, she had come to me and and called off the engagement, right? Um, and I said uh, I was devastated, Eric. I was devastated. I didn't know how to act. Um, so I started, so in, and then in June, this all went down. Um, I went up to see her. I was interning on Capitol Hill. I went up to see her. Um, she was in Pittsburgh. She was working. And then I was down in DC and, uh, she, I, I, she, you know, gave me back the ring. I went to her house and then, you know, I, I did some things where I started calling her. Um, I called her multiple times, um, and, you know, I, I showed up in June, um, and, um, to, to a place where she was eating just to, cause I thought maybe we can talk about this. And in her mind, she was done because technically she was, she was really done. In fact, she was seeing somebody else. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
I, I wasn't, and I was heartbroken. And so I didn't react the right way. Um, and that then later in the eve, like later in June, um, she had filed a restraining order against me. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and then she had also made this claim. Um, she had always known that I was, I wanted to do something in politics and this is where things get dicey. Um, so there's a, like, there's a court file out there now. Um, and it's all over the internet. People have, have seen this. In fact, it was, um, Jeff Quinton, um, who's now a friend actually, first reported on this back in 2003 and brought this to light. In fact, he drove to Pittsburgh and got my court records. Um, and damn, yeah, I mean, he was, he's an investigative blogger and for whatever reason, um, Jeff did that and decided, I mean, we've, we've buried the hatchet, but it wasn't an easy time in 2013 in all honesty. Um, you know, when he point first pulls up these court records that, um, so anyway, um, my ex, um, when we had broken off the engagement, um, I did make the mistake. She had filed a, it, it was in Pennsylvania, called a protection from abuse order. Um, and then she had said that uh, I took out a gun and pointed at her head um, and had said that, you know, because it's true, I did have a firearm. Um, I had a, a legal firearm that I bought and I had a concealed weapons permit. And I kept my gun in my house and in my car and I would travel with it when I was in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, but don't blame she, me on that one. What, well, yeah, I mean, so, but um, the message was that she sent it and said that I pulled out a gun and she just, she told a story to, um, and I still remember the officer's name, it was a female officer she went and talked to named Kathleen Amorosa um, and down in the city of Pittsburgh and said that I had pointed her a gun and said, if you scream, I'll shoot. And I never, that never happened. Um, and I, to this day, um, and uh, and then I back in August, um, she I, I had I had waited a few months, um, and then you know stupid me, um, the protection from abuse order was still in effect, and she said that I had showed up to her house and her work, or had driven past her place, and on the way to my house I would often have to pass her house. Um, anyway, um, I received – this was the Saturday before I was supposed to go back to school for my final – for my senior year in 2007. So it was like late August. I got a call from the Pittsburgh police saying there's a warrant for your arrest. And I said, why so? They said, because you violated this um, ex partition order um, and uh, you know your, your ex-girlfriend has made these accusations – um, and she's not messing, um, and she's she wants you arrested. And I said, okay. So I spent two nights in jail. It was the worst two nights of my life. It was it was embarrassing. Um, I was in the Pittsburgh County Jail, uh, the Allegheny County Jail, in, in the middle of Pittsburgh. So you can only imagine um, me. I and I remember when I went in, I had a collared shirt on, I had khaki shorts and Sperry's, and I I didn't fit in. Um, you know, who, so yeah. um, I got these court papers saying that I was I did terroristic threats, um, stalking, harassment, and several, and it was about four other charges. Several, and I then I I got out, got an attorney, and several of the uh, the charges were um, were dropped when we went to this pretrial thing, and um, so it 
in Pennsylvania, it takes forever to to go through the legal process. Um, oh yeah, my yeah, my stuff took know, like a year. So yeah, that's everywhere. <laughs> so my I got an attorney, and I wasn't so sure about him, but you know he was supposedly a pretty decent guy. And I told my attorney everything. I told him the truth, and you know he said he mm-hmm. would do the best to defend me. Um, so we get to, to the day of the uh, of the actual final decision. Um, he said that you know we can go to trial, and he's and he told me this is what happened. He's like, I don't know if um, I I don't know if I can effectively mount this case to show where this, is. but I kept it didn't happen. And he said, well. Because she claimed that there was a gun involved, it added, it added an extra level of scrutiny. Um, uh, yes. And so he said, you can plead out, right? And I said, well, that would give me a criminal record. Uh, he said, well, I'm going to try – I tried to push for the um, – this def- basically this system where you're on probation, and then after a year or so, you're, you're it's thrown out. So That's the that's, um, that's same thing that I got right. The, the probation before judgment is usually yeah. what they call it. Well – so he said you can plead out to a simple assault, and then a, and then you would plead out to a uh, like a it wasn't a, it's not a misdemeanor it's called a um, a summary offense it's, it's basically he explained the equivalent of a traffic ticket of harassment and the harassment is expungible but the simple assault is only expungible by a governor's pardon which is mm. next to impossible to get unless yeah. you go the right. I mean, so anyway, it was June 26, 2008. Um, my parents were there. I mean, I'm truly devastated, right? And I'm like, I don't, you know, we could risk this going to trial or we could plead out. I should have never accepted the plea because in the heart of hearts, I wasn't guilty. Um, what I was guilty of, however, was um, showing up to her house uninvited calling her multiple times, saying terrible things in a relationship. Um, and I was guilty of threatening her that I would do certain things to her. I mean, I was I was only, I was 21 years old, and I said, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to come after you in this way. And then, we, you know, shouting matches, screaming. Um, mm-hmm. But she said, uh, she said that um, she never, I mean, she, she made these claims. It's all in this police report, right? Um, and I see that. <laughs> And I think there's so many other people who have seen that now that it's been posted online, and they judge me. So anyway, I pleaded out, and I got a um, a simple assault, and that carries a criminal record. And so technically in my life, you could say Ryan Miner has a criminal record. And people have said throughout my life, and, and especially in politics, oh, you're you're working with a criminal. You're working with this guy that's a terrible person, has no character. Well, there's a lot of explaining to that, but people don't want you to explain. They only see what they see on paper, right, Eric? Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's about controlling the narrative, okay? P, you know, people like the ones we're discussing. You know, oh, they have a criminal record, okay? Well, that doesn't that that could mean anything, okay? I mean, literally, that could mean that you drove um, 60 miles an hour over the speed limit, right? Okay. Um, that that that's, that that's a misdemeanor. So I'm not lying, but I'm not actually telling you the truth either. Well, so what had happened was I I got a probation for for two years, and then um, it was it, it was pretty lenient, um, and that was that. And so I, this thing has been hanging over my head for years, 
And I've talked about it before, but it still hangs over my head in a way um, when you fill out a job application, when you go and talk to people, when you have to put that on a government form. And, you know, I'm working through the process of getting um, and asking for a pardon. I don't expect it to happen. Um, I don't ever I don't expect it to happen at all. But I just want to say that um, this mistake will forever hang over my had it has when I run for when I ran for the school board in 2014 it was brought up many times and people but but here's where here's where the game of telephone comes in oh did you hear that Ryan Miner this happened oh the the case file um in the charging document it, it said oh a gun oh my god did he did he shoots oh wait did, what yeah it, it, yeah, yeah oh exactly he beat up his, oh he beat up his girlfriend Ryan Miner's a wife beater oh how does Kim live with him um, he beats up his. Does he beat his children? Does he do? Uh, yeah, he beat up. They're, uh, they're saying that about both of us. They're saying that we like to beat our women, as, well, so they say. <laughs> let me just say this: I have never, in my entire life, ever touched a woman ever in my life. Um, the only time that I have come close in, in a situation is when my ex slapped me, uh, and she did. She did a couple times, and I grabbed her hand. And and forcefully put it down, uh, and that was just in a reaction of self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never in my entire life beat, hit, struck, or come close to hurting anybody. I've only been in one fight in my life, and I got my ass kicked. Uh, yeah, and reasonably <laughs> well, so. See, you're, right, you're lucky because you can actually say that. Because see, I can't. Okay, you know. We used to, do, you know, we we did unarmed combat in the army, and they didn't care if you were a man or a woman. You had to go in yeah. there and you had to, you know, fight each other. And so, yeah. you know, I'll admit it. Yes, I've hit women, and you know what? They hit back. Okay, and yeah. we're in uniform and we are training. Okay, so, and there's some that beat me in combatants. Okay, <laughs> not ashamed. Combatants, right? We always called it combatants. Yeah. The king of <laughs> Eric Beasley's the king of the pits. <laughs> yeah, apparently, right? Actually, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would say I won it like twice before. I mean, big whoop, yeah. tied once because my uh, um, uh, a buddy of mine they used to call him and I the Wonder Twins. Um, yeah. Basically, he was also really good at fighting, and we could read each other's minds. So we just could we could never really beat each other. Like we always ended up like drawing in the end because we knew each other's moves so well. But uh, so I want <laughs> I, I want to bring this story back around. Um, and so this thing has been hanging over my head. Um, and in 2010, I got a job with a former um, a, a former state senator, um, his, his named Don Munson, and he was a, he was a pretty moderate guy. He actually lost. Um, Munson found out about my record um, a, in Pennsylvania, and f- that was a terrible thing. He threw it in my face and was like, "You're done. I can't have this." And I'm like, "Well, let me explain." Um, it's caused a lot of embarrassment in my life, especially among my family, um, because. Uh, one of these, you know, Josh and Paige, they're not, they're in bed, they're not listening, but um, they're, I'm going to have to explain this one day. And mm-hmm. I, my policy, Eric, is to be completely and utterly and shamelessly honest about it. And when people ask, I haven't done this as public, but I've grown, I've, I've built up the strength to do this. And it's not easy. What I'm doing now for me is not easy because I'm really just putting my life out there Um and 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 in a very public way, and there's going to be a recording of this, and you know, and people are going to use this. So I want to fast forward um, that that decision, you know, that whole episode with with an ex girlfriend. Um, 
I, I, that will never I will never get rid of that. That will always be brought up until the day I die. And um and in this day and age where it's so easy to access the information um especially on the internet, it's going to be there. And that's why when people make mistakes or when and I've had a lot of people come talk to me about relationships and I'm like, "Oh man, I'm probably the last person to give any advice on relationships because I don't know." <laughs> but I, I I just want to say, you know, when I found when Kim and I met, I mean, we we truly have a, a really gracious and honest and open and wonderful relationship. And she knew this from the very beginning. Um and she has never flinched. <laughs> never. I mean, it was, it was one yeah. of those. It was, it was un- unescapable. It was just impenetrable love, and it was, it was, and it's like unconditional with her. And she's never stopped loving me for any reason whatsoever, and has always been by my side. I mean, she's really the person who has, like, with you and Elite, she's the soulmate, and she's kept me. She's kept me alive. I mean, she's kept me yeah. from sinking into. De- I mean, because this is truly depressing. I mean, I have thought many, <laughs> many, many times over. It's life is not worth it. <laughs> you know, with this hanging over my head, how am I ever going to be successful? How am I ever going to? You know, it's always going to be a, an asterisk, right, Eric? Yep. And Ryan, I, I, I trust. I know exactly because I, you know. While all of this was going on in my life, I took it to that level. Okay, I it was uh, summer 2010 actually. I, uh, you know, I planned everything out and I uh, swallowed a couple bottles of pills. Okay, I'd, I'd been I'd been dating Elise for I, I'd met Elise a couple months earlier. You know, took her out to dinner, some stuff like that. And basically, I just got to a point I couldn't handle it anymore, and I swallowed a bunch of pills and I ended up waking up a few days later in the hospital stayed in the hospital for a while. Um, and let me, you know, let me tell you, like it was a, uh, you want to talk about a life changing experience. Okay. That's a life changing experience. And, you know, I, I, I hadn't known Elise maybe three, four months at most. Yeah. She was there, um, with this whole drama going on with my ex-wife. She was fully aware that I was in the middle of a divorce. She still came out to the hospital to visit me. You know, I remember she she came out. I I had I tried to overdose on a Tuesday. She mm-hmm. came out on a Saturday, okay, and I couldn't even get out of the hospital bed. All right, and a couple about about two months later, she told me she's like, you know, like I'm glad I came to see you in the hospital, but you know, you really needed a shower. And I I you know I was unconscious for like a day, okay, so I don't even know I I didn't know, okay, and you know that's the sort of you know. It, Elise is what got me through all of that. Elise yeah. is what, you know, it, Elise is what turned me from somebody who tried to take his own life into a functioning human being. You know, her being there, her motivation. She drove down every single weekend from Fort Meade to Walter Reed to visit me, and like, you know, that's, I mean, that's that's what got me. That's what got me through it. If she hadn't been there, you know, this whole we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because God knows yeah. where I'd be. I, and it's I like, the same. you know, th- yeah, you and Kim, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, these, you know, some people think that, you know, we're not real, you know, being in, po- I have, I've developed Eric a thick skin. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you have to. And I let a lot of things roll off my back. 
and and especially when I was in my campaign, um, a lot of people said horrible things about me. In fact, I had I had some really nasty stuff thrown at me. You know, he beats his, he beats women. You know, the whole gun issue, um, the DUI, which. Now that that's a different episode. That was a, and I'll get to that. And I've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, um, you are an angry drunk. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am. I tried to beat up Dan Bongino. Um, <laughs> I, I tried to fight Dan Bongino. I still I, can't I, believe that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was at a. Uh, this was in 2013, and at an Anne Arundel County. Um. When was it? Yeah, and it was in May, May thirtieth, uh, May twenty ninth, and two thousand and thirteen. Um, for some reason, I was mad at Dan for something I don't remember because I used to work for him. Um, I think we just had a falling out, and I, I really truly don't um, men, uh, don't remember the whole details. Like you know, sort of like hazy. But um, I was I had a lot to drink that night, and I think I just down down the booze. Like I never had a problem with drinking. Like I never. But when, but yes, that's why when I when I realize that when I do drink, I'm I get angry. Um, and I want to I want to bite someone. I want to you know want to kick the shit out of somebody. Um, and I, I can tell you right now that it would not have ended well for me because Dan Bongino would have taken me out in a swipe, and uh, you know I might have tried. Yeah. I might have. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a good situation. Dan is honestly Dan could play Superman if if he really wanted to. Okay, he's he's, tough. he's, a, he's a he's a big chunk of man meat. Okay, let's just be honest with ourselves. I mean, <laughs> pretty, that's why I pretty... can't believe like like I could see you trying to pick a fight with somebody else. It's not so like you know doesn't have biceps the size of my head. Okay, so it was a regrettable I, again, moment. It was a regrettable yes, moment. I'm, I'm laughing at your past, but it's okay because we accept it. Yeah, so that was true. I mean, I I actually did get into a fight with Dan Bongino, and then that night I was driving back to, for for some reason I was heading back to Carroll County because we, um, I stopped off in Baltimore and I had two more beers, which I clearly shouldn't have had, uh, and I I was driving back home to Carroll County to stay with my friend who lived in just right outside of Westminster, um, and I did not completely stop at a blinking light. Was pulled over, um, arrested, um, and uh, blew a point oh eight point oh eight, and uh, there, you know, that was a huge judgment call. And then from there, when when that broke, um, Jeff Quinton first reported on that. It was June first, two thousand and thirteen. In fact, I had a friend involved in Maryland politics. He texted me and said, "There's an article coming out about the other night." And I and I, and then that's when, when you have that, the, your entire body sinks, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I was working for the Craig campaign, and unfortunately I had to leave the Craig campaign because of that reason. Um, and that it's embarrassing, Eric, because I was involved in politics, yeah. and anybody you know, you're involved in politics, all of this stuff is exacerbated, right? Anything that you do can be used against you, and trust me, it will. It will be used against you in full force. This stuff has been used against me in full force. And the DUI, there's no excuse. There, There is no excuse for me getting behind the wheel and having too much to drink and then putting myself in danger and others in danger. Um, I still... Uh, I still can't forgive myself for that, and I probably won't for a very long time. But I can tell you this: 
I've never ever in my life since that, since May 30th, 2013, have had another drop of alcohol and entered the car. Now, um, I have, you know, and I, I, yeah, I've actually even offered, I've been like, here, have a drink at like the Frederick County um, holiday party for their club up here. <laughs> yeah. You were like, nope, like staying yeah. away. And I was like, yeah. uh, okay, now, now I'm, now I'm that guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, I, uh, I, I, I typically won't, uh, drink in public and, but after that, then people assume, oh, does does Ryan Miner have a drinking problem? Like, no, Ryan Miner has, has a judgment problem. Uh, he made a stupid. <laughs> That's what I told people, you know. And I went to these alcohol classes. Uh, that's it's mandated, right? And and uh, so, yeah, I I went to these alcohol classes and I spent seven weeks um, and, and two hours each, and I actually learned a lot um, because I had the opportunity to open up to people um, when I was there. And uh, we we told our stories. It was very therapeutic, and it was sort of like a group therapy session. Um, so, I uh, I really learned a lot about myself throughout that 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 that. And you know, I so with having a DUI and an assault charge on your record, um, people don't trust you. They think you're of poor character. They think you're a bad person, um, especially when you're involved in politics. You know, you want to go work for somebody. And then they bring this up like, OK, I'll give you an example. Like uh, I volunteered for, for candidates in the past or um, I have, you know, when I write the blog, um, people have said minors showing favoritism to Hober, which is not true. I've been very cautious about who I've shown favoritism to. But I have told and, – and let me give you an example. Back in 2013 – when David Vogt first started running, David Vogt is a hell of a stand-up guy because I have told David Vogt everything about my path, and he openly embraced me and said, "I would love for you to come work with me." Uh, and that's well, look, Ryan, I- I'll tell you exactly why. Okay, there's an old joke in the military. All right, you can't make E7 unless you have a DUI and an ex-wife. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's the only way to advance. You know, because uh, you always hear the old stories back in the day. It's like, yeah. I mean, there's you know, sergeant majors with twelve DUIs and stuff, and it wasn't a big deal. You know, like you know, if David Vote comes from a almost as as manly group as the army, and so uh, you know, he, he and and see, and that's I think I think that's something that's really important to 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 mention is that you know. People who deal in the real world, okay, so somebody like David Vogt, you know, people outside of politics, they don't care. Yeah. Okay. It's these like political hacks that want like, you know, freaking like Jesus to come down and run for office. Because yeah. apparently that's the only person that's good enough. Well you know, and, that and, and not only that, Eric, I uh you know, when I first um when I met with Frank Howard, you know, when Frank and I worked together with an organization, um I told Frank about this, and like Frank was embraced me with open arms. I told Ami about this, and she said, "You know, I always say, Ami, I, you know, I, uh, I, I have a past." And she's like, "I know," and, and you know, Frank's like, "I know," and, uh, and, and I, I'm just, I'm honest to to a brutal, to almost to a relentless honesty because, um, I, I want to, I just own it, and I know that my problems. In the past, and they were problems. I mean, I, I, you know, getting the DUI is a problem. Um, the college incident is a problem, and it hangs over my head. But I can tell you that um, talking about it here and just letting know, letting people know that um, those those incidences are 
something that has helped me see clarity and that have only refined me in life. To And it's taught me a lot of valuable lessons, one of which is never judge anyone and always put yourself in somebody else's shoes because there's a lot of people out there that have it a lot worse than me. Um, and I just... You know, and you know when people bring this stuff up, like on Facebook or on, oh well, Ryan Miner, you have a you have a criminal record. You know what? I do, um, and I'm not proud of it. I, I, you know, I have an assault charge, and I got a DUI in my life when I was in my 20s. I'm 30 years old now, and uh, I, I'm blessed to have a spouse and two beautiful children that are healthy. Um, I have a roof over my head. I'm gainfully employed. I'm doing it. I'm making it life, and it's not always easy. But um, and and I'm also involved well, you know, in politics. But it, it's not even just like as a good example, Ryan. I I legally don't have a criminal record. Yeah. Okay. I was never found guilty of anything. The record's yeah. expunged. Okay. I guess I was lucky. I didn't have that assault charge thing like you had that kind of you know screwed yeah. the pooch for you. But like, it did. so I I I legally don't have a criminal record. Okay. There it, it doesn't exist. But people still run around and say it, and people yeah. are still trying to use it against me. Okay, by law, I don't. When I fill out an employment application and they say, you know, have you ever been convicted of a crime? I can legally say no. Yeah, and, and, that, I, and I that's mean, accurate. And I pled guilty to a a crime, and uh, I've explained it. And 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 most people yeah. are nine times out of ten that I've explained this, people have been very generous and understanding. Um, the, yeah, I've explained the, all the same people you have, and I think you know overall, it's yeah. like the the problem is not I don't I don't think the problem is with the broad political advocates, it's yeah. with a select minority of people in political circles that for some reason have some sort of credence, or you know people listen to them for some reason. Yeah, it's those people. Okay, because yeah, you know, I mean, heck, I you know, I, I've talked to to, to Ami Hobart, Frank Howard, you know, Dan, you know, yeah. all all those people about this. They they're well aware of it, and yeah. none of them had a problem with it. Like, oh well, oh big whoop, you messed up when you were a kid. I mean, you know, my response to usually is like, well, yeah, and you know what? I actually I got drunk on my nineteenth birthday. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so terrible. Okay, I mean, like seriously. I mean, this is that's that's the whole point of growing up. And, and that's like you, you know, know, I've I've talked to to to, to David Vote, and David know, knows me inside and out. And I, like David Vote, is such a stand-up guy. Um, and 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 in his heart of hearts, um, you know, there might be policy disagreements that I have with David. Not really much, but um, David Vote is just. I mean, he sort of embraced me. And just I, I have a lot of respect for him in that, like a personal, you know yeah. what I mean, like Eric, like a personal friendship. Um, David's oh, yeah. been very good yeah. to me. Um, Ami has been very generous, um, and you know I don't know Ami that well, but um, you know what I do know is that I really like her as a person. Frank Howard is an incredibly, genuinely good person that um, truly yeah. has a huge heart, and and Dan and Bongino. All of them passed. They all pass the beer test. Okay, every <laughs> one of them. I, 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 I would love for them to come over to my house and sit on my couch and drink my beer. Like, <laughs> I, they're more than welcome to, okay? Or sit outside in my man's shed and, like, tinker with something and drink a beer. Like, all of that, totally okay. And see, to me, that's, that, to me, that's how I judge character. Is yeah. if, I'm, if I'm okay with you being in my house and drinking, drinking a beer with me, then that means that I like you. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and, you and know, I think I I think that we and this is you know I I mentioned this in the article like I think that that people like you and me, folks that are listening, people that are active in politics, okay, we have the power to define this narrative, okay, we have the power to say, I accept you, and I accept that you made mistakes in your life, and I'm not going to try to use that to control you. Okay, we in mass have that ability. Okay, we don't need to let some little, some little guy out there, you know, control this and try to say, you know, so and so is a bad person because they made a bad decision ten years ago or five years ago. Okay, if it was two weeks ago, then there might be a problem, right? <laughs> you know, but I think that, uh, you know, and and we, so all of us have that ability, and we need to keep that in mind. Right. We need to remember that we're the ones that we get to determine who can run for office. We get to determine who we, we, we vote for, who we give our money to. And I think that we just need to be much more selective about it. We need to support people. We need to support people that are open and honest and genuine. And we need to reject people that are not. That's why, you know, when people are upfront and honest with me, um, <laughs> I will always give somebody the benefit of the doubt because truly I want them to do the same. I mean, when I when I've had to explain this story in so many different ways. I mean, so many different ways and it's it's not easy, right? When I go so for in politics, say for an example, and Eric, there's there's times where in the future where I'm going to say, oh, "I would really like to work with that candidate, but I got this thing hanging over my head. Will they really want to be associated with me?" Because the political people, the political class of people, are going to want to say, "Well, Ryan Miner did this. You don't want to work with that guy." And it's happened. Oh, well, Ryan Miner has. Did yeah. you know this? Um, you shouldn't work with. He's a bad guy. He's, you know, he beat his wife. He beat his, you know, like no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And 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 then it influences people. Um, and I just want to say, Ryan Miner is a guy who's made a few mistakes but has his life on track and who truly cares about <laughs> advancing the cause of liberty. Um, so maybe you, you could give me a chance and get to know me and meet me. And that's that's what generally happens is what, people hear these vicious rumors and then they meet me and they say, well, he's not the devil. You know, Some people think I am, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, man-child. Yeah, man-child. And a few people up in Washington County, they will forever use my past against me um, yeah. but uh, I will, I will, and that's why I think that I've been sort of rebellious in in a way that comes out in doing this sort of thing and said, no, 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 you you may have that, and 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 you can, you know, you can frame it into whatever narrative you want, but no, this is my narrative. This is me, Ryan. This is a guy who's fouled up in life, has taken responsibility for his actions, and turned out to be. You know, and turned out stronger, smarter, and wiser, and will never make those same mistakes again. Yeah, and, and isn't and, that the point? Yeah, I mean that's the whole point of life is that we're, you're supposed to grow from the mistakes that you make. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, you always, you know, and, and I'm sure your parents did this. My parents did this to me all the time too. Like, you know, trust me, son. Like, I've been through this. This is what you yep. should do. Oh, okay, yeah. and even 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 people who are not my biological parents, but they treat me like their kids sometimes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I hear it all the time. You know, trust me, I've been through this. And you know, I sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. And when I don't listen, that's usually when I make a mistake. And so I have to learn from that. And you know, every single one of those little mistakes that you've made, that I've made, that the listeners have made, that's what makes 
all of us who we are today. You know, I said that the first article that I wrote in the series was, you know, every event in my life has led me to this point. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, one thing that I've never, I just find hilarious. The only reason I met Elise is because of going through my divorce. Yeah. Okay. If I had not started that divorce, I would have not been in the right place at the right time to run into to, to cross paths with her. Yeah. So that's the only reason. Out of that divorce, I found the my wife, the mother of my children. Okay, that's what came out of it. And so, you know, was was there a mistake? Yes, but you know what? It's a mistake that obviously some good came out of. Yeah, you know now there's gonna you be know, there's gonna be two little Beasleys running around. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, that's the same. That's the same way with me and Kim. I mean, we we met at the right place at the right time, and um, she has she has saved my life in ways that I can't even mention, um, and has just mm-hmm. made me and and shaped me into the man that I am because she uh, she embraced me, um, she never judged me, and she loved me for me. And, you know, there's, I'm not always the most lovable, I'm not always the most lovable person because there's a, because I'm also, I mean, I sort of have a, 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 a strong streak of um, skepticism about the world. I'm deeply questionable about people. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of shrewd and I, I have this, I sort of have a cold streak where it takes a while for people where I don't lend myself out easily, and I, I shut people off quickly if they if they hurt me, um, yeah. And that's and that's just and that's like you know and that's why I have such a potent and fervent reaction to an emphatic reaction to someone like Brian Griffiths who goes around telling you know telling people all oh, that I beat women or telling people that we know to stay away from me. You know I'm sort of a cynic in a way. Uh, about life, and it's just who I am. I, I have this natural cynicism <laughs> that I carry over the cloud of darkness that I don't always that I don't always see the the true light at the end of the tunnel because I feel like it's a reaction of how p- certain people have treat, treat, uh, treated me, and and then I just retreat into the corner and say, well, this is just how life is, and uh, there's just an air of negativity hanging over every situation, and but I have learned to to see the positive about people, but I'm also skeptical. And like people like Brian Griffiths, I just want to say, hey man, you know, I messed up and that's why I'm telling people that I've messed up in my life and you're not going to, you're not going to use that against me to try to define me like he did. He did it to you, he did it to me and you're just not going to do it. People like Brian Griffiths just aren't, we're not the first either, okay? There's a long and storied history of this. I mean, this didn't just happen overnight, okay? This has been going on for, you know, five years, okay? Name a name a political figure in Maryland, and they've probably been attacked by this man, okay? <laughs> and, and we, yeah. as Republicans in Maryland, we're the one that lets him do this. We're the one that lets him get away with it because we yeah. read his site and we, you know, we share his articles. Okay, you know that that's what we are doing. Okay, I mean this is the same guy. You know, I mean Jesus, like, I mean pretty much everybody here in Frederick County, at some point or another, has been attacked by him. 
okay? Like, you know, for for one reason or another. Usually it's over something stupid, okay, which is the worst part. Like, you know, if all of this effort, instead of, you know, Brian Griffith trying to dig up dirt on me and dig up dirt on Mark Schaff and dig up dirt on, you know, David Brinkley, you know, maybe he should spend that time, like, digging into Mike Miller or, you know, or what, you know one of the Millers down in Annapolis. Maybe he should try, like, you know, going you know going after the people who are putting us in like grotesque debt and passing stupid laws okay but no it's 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 not it's it's personal okay for some reason personal. there's this like little this, there's this little grudge okay for whatever reason and you know like that's why we have to we have to say something and people have to know you know how they operate and it, and I know you disagree with me on this Ryan but you know Brian is only part of the problem. The other part of the problem is the GOP, the Maryland GOP members who back him, who support him, who enable this. Okay, I the people who let Red Maryland. Well, but they don't. They don't do anything about it. Okay, why would the Montgomery County GOP let Brian Griffiths moderate a debate? Okay, yeah. or let me rephrase: Why would they let him buy a seat as a as a panelist at a debate? Okay, yeah. why? Right? They could have very easily just said no. Okay. They could have just they could have taken his his money, which I don't know I don't I mean they could have just taken his money and said, Okay, you're a sponsor, here, put your logo up. But they gave him a panelist seat. Okay. So you have um, pro- you have yeah. things like this that are happening and it's like so the, the the Maryland GOP is enabling him and you know, in my opinion, I think it's because they're afraid of being his next target. <laughs> okay. That's what I think it is. I think that I, I, I think that Brian Griffiths has some sort of information source, and he's using it to basically, you know, have a little, you know, to to scare members of the Maryland GOP into submission. It's what he tried to do with me, okay, and um, he he tried to do it to many others before me. Oh yeah. And so this is, you know, th- this this is a pattern. It's a pattern. It keeps repeating itself constantly. Okay, and I I, per, I believe that this is this is one of the many things that scare people away from getting involved in politics. All right, I can't tell you how many people I've heard in the last year say I would love to get more involved, but when I was younger I did something stupid. Okay, and these are like forty year old people telling me twenty years ago they did something stupid, and like that's going to stop them from being involved in politics. I okay. mean, like seriously, like no, like. In my opinion, if you did something 20 years ago, then it just means that you're a capable adult because you're still alive, and you should go ahead and get involved. People like him scare those folks away. They alienate sure. people. That's what they do, okay? Because they think that they're just alienating the ones that they don't like, but then they don't realize that person has friends, and <laughs> those friends see it, okay? You know. Ryan, when I wrote that, when I wrote my first article about the blackmail, about my whole history, okay, I posted it, and then I think I, I went somewhere. I went to do something. I can't remember what it was. Like I came back to my computer. I had like fifteen private messages on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Some people I knew very well. Some people I didn't know at all. I got like I got like twenty text messages from various people. I got phone calls. Okay. There's probably fifty people that directly on that day contacted me privately to say something good about it okay people people messaging me and telling me like they were they were brought to tears over my article yeah. okay because it was just so real and it's like so see so that this one article and this me being blackmailed by this man 
reached that many people. Okay. And, and so that, and then, and then you know, I have people coming up to me even still like weeks later, like somebody told me about the article and then I went and read it. Oh my gosh. You know, like I can't believe it. Okay. I mean, yeah. so there, there are side effects to this. Okay. If we want a functioning Republican party in Maryland, we can't be alienating people. <laughs> no. Okay. Now I'm okay with alienating bad people. All right. But <laughs> I mean, but you know, honestly, yeah, I'm I'm not a see here's the thing. I'm not a bad person, okay? I'm not. All right. I busted I, I spent a lot of time working on the Dan Bongino campaign to get him to the point that he was, okay? I mean I, I used to, I had it like scheduled out. Like I tell Elise, like, okay, so so Monday and Thursday evenings are Somebody's calling. So I have a call. You wanna do can I take it? Oh. Yeah, let's take the call. I don't know who this I don't know who's calling in. It's a four four three number. Hey guys, Hello? it's Jonah. How's it going? It's who? Jonah. Jonah. I'm Facebook friends with you guys. Oh, yo man. Yep, yep. That's my name for the government campaign. Oh, hey. What's happening? <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Okay. Hey, uh, so a couple of quick quick uh, comments I wanted to say. Um, yeah, sure. I think the the thing with why the MDGOP puts up with, with crap like Brian Griffith and all that kind of stuff, it's not that he has something on anyone. I think it's that we're such a small party, they're just trying their best to keep the peace. Yeah. And to some people, keeping the peace is just siding with whoever is loud and obnoxious. Um, I, that's a very valid point. I, I, I can accept that. Um, the, the, the other things, um, I think another part of this is, you know, uh, sounds like the three of us, and probably a lot of people who are listening are all professional people who have jobs and families and other interests. And we're involved in politics because it's something we care about and it's kind of a burden, but it's something that we do. And there's some people who are involved because they watch House of Cards and think that life sounds cool. And they want a cool job title um, and that's all that they have. And they will do whatever it takes to maintain that job title. And, uh, uh, so yeah, and uh, keep fighting the good fight because uh, people are assholes and uh, deserve to be called out for it. So that's much all. No, I, I mean, no, I think um, you can stay on with this, but um, you know, part of the, <laughs> I, I I appreciate that, and I certainly take that premise because people don't want to upset the apple cart, and I think truly we we all do want to get along, and but then when when you have disagreement, uh, some people fall out and then they block you on Facebook and want nothing to do with you and block your tweets. And um, that's fine too, I guess. But I, I think that people just don't want to upset the apple cart sometimes, and then they just go along to get along. And that's why we're we we, we continue to to have bad situations. I don't know, Eric. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I, I think, I think Joan over here is right. I mean, I think that, yeah, you know, we're outnumbered two to one in in Maryland, and I think that there's the, there's this wisdom. I think it's antiquated, okay, but there's this wisdom that we just need to try to keep everybody together as best we can, okay. That's the old wisdom, all right. And let say, and th- in my opinion, considering the track record for Republicans in this state, that hasn't worked for fifty years. 
Okay, let's be honest with ourselves. Republicans have been minority party for 50 years in this state, and it's because of that sort of thinking. It's because of that that old, outdated. I guess I'm going to call it establishment, even though that's kind of the wrong word, but the. The, the establishment thought process. And I think that if we want to actually grow as a party, we need to change our, change our mindset. And the mindset needs to be, okay, I hear, I hear obviously Larry Hogan won for a reason, because Democrats flipped over and voted for him, and then they still voted for Brian Frosch, okay, for example. Yeah. Now, and Jan Gardner here in, in Frederick County, okay, so if we actually want to grow the party – this mindset of trying to just get everybody that we can into the party and hold on to a few seats isn't going to work. Okay, a lot of people don't like these theocrats that we that we have. A lot of these, like you know, I, I'd, I'd say them extreme right wingers. Okay, in the party, you know. So here's the question. Okay, is it worth it to have a handful of extremist voices within the party? Or is it more worth it to reach out to a broader coalition of people to bring them under the Republican umbrella? In my opinion, I think that what we're doing right now, which is protecting those extremist views, I don't think it's working and it hasn't worked for 50 years. And no. I think that if we said we're done with this extremist stuff, we're just we're going to get to a straight common sense, fix the economy, you know, basically turn, basically run the the Larry Hogan campaign, okay, <laughs> just run it every two years. Then I think the Republicans could actually make inroads in Maryland. We may not, we're not going to take every congressional seat in the next fifty years. Don't get me wrong, but we can at least start. We can make us. We can get started. You know, how, what, I think we need, what, four, five, six Senate seats in the Maryland Senate to be able to filibuster all these terrible bills that keep getting proposed. So, like, that should be the goal, okay? Right. And, yeah, you might have to elect a Republican that is okay with gay marriage and doesn't believe that, you know, life begins before conception or whatever the <laughs> other crazy stuff or, you know, chemtrails, okay? We might have to elect <laughs> Republicans that think that, you know, solar panels are actually a decent thing, okay? But they're Republican, so then stupid stuff like this watered-down uh, fee reduction bill, you know, that doesn't happen because they can filibuster, Okay, that should be the goal. All well, right. then you look at you look at Brian Griffiths, who is so focused on one issue, single issues, and when are we going to stop pandering to the single issue activist? Come on. Yep. Like I got a lot of friends that are single issue voters, so I, especially around guns, so I can't like. <laughs> I have well, I'm to be not nice knocking to them. it. <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah. But I'm saying that we have to think about the big picture. Uh, you, you know. Yeah. Okay. So Brian Griffiths is attacking, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, Ami Hober, our friend Ami Hober, who's running. Yeah, you know, he's, um, and I, I just like to say, you know, there's there's many great candidates to choose from in the pool of candidates running for the sixth congressional district, but you're focusing, you're spending all your time, and it's clear you're spending all your time focusing on Hober, for. Because you disagree with her on one issue, and she did not bow down and kiss your freaking ring, and 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 basically say, "Oh, Brian, you're so great." And he has a personal beef with her, right? I mean, he does seem to be purpose. really obsessed with with her. Um, I, mean, I don't have the same experience with Brian that you guys do, but yeah, he does seem to be really obsessed with, with her. I I don't understand. I mean, you maybe he's trying to. To get out the word, so she's beaten. And but 
The fact that I hate about what people like Brian do is they demonize her. They demonize her. Like, and that's that's where it makes me makes me just immensely angry because here's a person who has dedicated her entire career to serving our country and working in the national security apparatus to try to make us safer, who started her own business, has worked her way up to the Pentagon. And I, I just I think about what Brian tries to do to pen her on this single issue in an attempt to define her. And it's just quite frankly, maybe you could chalk it up to being politics. Okay, I can understand that. But it's really the underbelly that I hate about politics, the drive-by. You know, Chris Christie said it best in the debate in February before he was, you know, before he dropped out, you know, when Marco Rubio was responding, um, you know, about, remember when he, he talked about being a robot? Oh, the, yeah. The talking when, points, yes. That was, that was brilliant. Okay. You know, we have to Honestly. with this, with this idea that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly. And Chris Christie said, there it is. He, he looked over and he did this cocky, he did this cocky way about it when he looked over at Marco and he said, there it is. He goes, the 30-second Washington drive-by soundbite with no, with no or little effort to respond. And it's true. People do that all yep. the time, and I never thought about it in that context. They do the soundbite, oh, Eric Beasley did this, um, so that therefore it makes him a bad person. Ami Hover doesn't believe this. Frank Howard or David Vogt doesn't believe So it's just the drive-by soundbite, and they never get into nuance. And that's what bothers me about politics. Yeah, and see, and you know, Ryan, I, I, you know, we go out of our way to try to include that. I mean, you know, my favorite articles to write on 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 the blog are the ones if it says on the issues at the front. Okay, that's how I title everything that is actually a discussion about the issues, what the candidates believe, and then I'll add my commentary at the end. Okay, but the point of those articles is this is what the candidates believe, and then underneath is this is what I believe. Okay, but you know, I don't editorialize. I don't change their opinions. Okay, I think I think I added a comma in one of the people in one of the candidates' responses for the uh, the Apple versus FBI question. Okay, so I didn't change the meaning of the sentence. Okay, just right. you know, minor editor ed- editing. Okay, and like that's that's what we need to be doing. Okay, that's what people actually care about. People care about the issues, okay? If people didn't care about the issues, then Anthony Brown would be our governor, okay? But people care about the issues, and they care about where folks actually stand. Yeah. So that's how we get Republicans elected. If we okay, can't Democrats win, get elected by name recognition here. It's, it's not going to happen. No. Yeah, no name recognition. No, and, and honestly, as a Republican, you're never going to win just because you're a Republican. Okay, <laughs> so let's... Let's talk about these real issues, okay? And yeah, you know, and you know, Ryan. Everybody always accuses us of being favorable to you know Ami Hober or whatever candidate. <laughs> like, okay, just I, I tell you what, honestly, and I've I've actually written about it twice, okay, yeah. in both the articles that I've written. I understood exactly where Miss Hober was coming from, but I didn't fully agree with her position on either one, okay? Yeah. You know, a good one, the Edward Snowden issue, okay? Oh yeah. I I thought I thought Christopher Mason had the best answer. Okay, I do too. Because that's what I honestly believe. Okay, there's other issues. I have policy degree. I have some sort of policy disagreement with pretty much, well, yes, with every single person running in the sixth district. Okay, mm-hmm. there's, but it's a question of which policy disagreement is enough to make me not vote for them. Right. And in all reality, that is a very short list, 
and it starts in the 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 name rhymes with a curse word that I'm gonna not say right now. <laughs> I I honestly probably could vote for seven, six out of eight of those people um yeah. that are running for the sixth congressional district easily, mm-hmm. right? You know, you go down the oh, line. I, Hope, I would Hober. volunteer for them. Yeah, I mean, Hober, I yeah. would vote for. Howard, I would vote mm-hmm. for. Vote, I would vote for. Um, Painter, I would vote for. Um, yeah. um, so Chang, I'll, I'll I would add vote Terry for. Baker. I'll add Terry Baker because you might not. But <laughs> no, I, I would. I think I would vote for Terry Baker. Um, and I, I uh, but but Robin. Robin Figger is just a different story. I mean, he's he's a gadfly that has run for office and has been truly just not a nice guy his entire life. I mean, there's a he's difference. Very, he's between, special. I mean, he is special. I mean, he's here's a guy that 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 is that is now saying going on to the, these Facebook groups. Um, <laughs> he's saying Biner is a Ho, Hober, Hober's Trump haters. Uh, and he's like, I saw you. I saw you out there uh, volunteering um, for Ami Hober, and I'm uh, on St. Patrick's Day parade in Gaithersburg. Oh, yeah, that's the truth. Because if any Republican asks me for my help, or if if I walk up and see someone and I say, Hey, do you need some help? I'm going to say, and they say yes, I'm going to help them. And uh, you know, I was uh, I was in the parade taking pictures of Ami. Uh, and Kim was handing out mm-hmm. stickers. My policy is I help all Republicans. And Robin is now saying, I mean, you saw the attack, Eric, that Ficker used oh, against. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, because Miner said he's not going to vote for D- Donald Trump, and that's true. I I don't agree. I'm at to the point where I truly don't agree with Donald Trump on policy issues. Therefore, I could not, in good faith, cast my ballot for him in a presidential election. And to use that against another candidate because he saw me out there, uh, you know, taking a picture of her during a parade. I mean, Eric, isn't this? Aren't we bordering on the insane? Well, I, I honestly, I think we've already we're already past insane at this point. You know, blood, there's blood in the water in the sixth district. Everybody thinks the Republican can win, so therefore everybody's going to file to run. Okay, I mean, honestly, my only regret is that I didn't do it just as a troll before the filing deadline ended. Okay, but basically, yeah, I mean, we're it's 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 a circus. Okay, it and it's being orchestrated by a handful of people. Okay, we're not talking policy. We're talking, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're talking pointless issues that I just literally don't care about. Okay, and I don't think that most people do care about. Okay, when when, when I talk to people, okay, there, there's a there's a woman here in Brunswick, okay, that I, I chat with on occasion. All right, mm-hmm. she's not very politically active, but she keeps her eyes open. Okay, she's one of those people that voted for Larry Hogan, Brian Frosch, Kelly Schultz, and that that was her voting. She she voted split ticket because she voted for the Republicans because of the issues because they were focused on issues that were important to people like jobs, economy, overregulation, that type of stuff. She didn't vote for the Republicans because they said, "Oh, I I want to make abortion illegal." Okay? People don't do that. All right? 
all the polling for the last 20 years has said that. Same with gay marriage. Same with, you know, um, adoption rights for, you know, one-armed, like, you know, Nigerian immigrants, okay, or whatever other pet social issue you have, okay? Like, people don't care about that because – and, you know, I always, I, I always tell people this, okay? It doesn't matter if gay people can get married if the U.S. is $50 trillion in debt and China comes to collect, Okay, it doesn't matter if you're gay and married. Okay, what happens is the country goes bankrupt and our entire economy is destroyed and you lose your job and you can't feed your family. So, like, which is more important? Well, you've been the same. You know, I'm I'm pro-life, but, you know, for that to actually matter in an election, we would need to get nine justices on the Supreme Court. I mean, it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. I don't like it to happen. I know I'm pro-life, but it's just not a relevant thing. Well, mm-hmm. I I look and at see, and see and see we can disagree on that, Jonah. Like you and I, we can have that disagreement. We can have that conversation. But like, I'm not going to go run a criminal background check on you to try to dig up dirt to make you shut up. Because we disagree on policy. I mean, what has happened in this country where we can't? Instead, we have these logical disagreements with one another. And we may have a disagreement on which candidates to support. And I'm sort of beyond this idea that uh, I, I'm not voting for the lesser of two evils in this election. I'm, I can't do it. And mm-hmm. and you know and and you know whether it be the if if now if Ted Cruz does become the nominee and and or you know John Kasich or whoever, um, I I would support that. I, I could I could support that. Um, I don't agree with Ted Cruz on some things, but. It brings yeah. me great comfort to know that he is a constitutionalist. Um, yes, and I think that he would be the closest that we could find to having a a prudent foreign policy um, and embracing American enterprise and um, and and being someone that maybe would would channel more of a Ron Paul, um, who is not yes. an interventionist, yes. but. Who's that's, not going to send you to Damascus? That's yeah, I mean, a very important question. <laughs> but 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 still, we'll take the fight to where we need to fight, and who will also abide by the Constitution. Um, I, I would I would I would vote for Ted Cruz. I mean, there's some things I don't like about him personally, but I I could withhold that and and still see the bigger picture, and that's the point, the bigger picture. Um, but with Donald Trump, um, I, I, I can't do it. I'm not there. I just I can't do it. And I don't think that I should be um, – I don't think that I should be penalized for that as a Republican. Yeah, no. we Because, again, remember, we're Republicans. We're supposed to be principle over party. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, what's, that's one of the things that's supposed to make us different than the Democrats is that we're supposed to have values and vote and act based on those values and not – not placing this arbitrary party, you know, apparatus above our own personal beliefs. At least we're supposed mm-hmm. to. Okay, mm-hmm. that seems to be changing right now. That's been changing over the last couple of years. You yeah. know, if you don't vote for our, you know, if we don't vote for Romney, you're giving the election to Obama. They said the same thing about McCain. Yeah. They say the same thing in 2020. Okay, you know, I mean, it's it's happening. If you don't vote. You know, I was told. Well, if you don't, if you don't vote against Kanye, then uh, yeah, if you don't support, <laughs> oh, shout out I, Eugene. No, yeah. no, this could be Steel Panther versus uh, Kanye in 2020. I, I, just, I don't even know who Steel Panther is. I don't know what you kids are talking about. 
I don't even know who that is. They're they're an awesome hair metal band. Uh, you should check them out. They write songs about how much they hate Kanye. <laughs> oh God! You you need to send me that, Jonah. I don't <laughs> <You> really. <laughs> I you know, and I think the point of this conversation, Eric, we we did this for, you know, we we hosted this show for a number of reasons, and it's uh, to talk about things that uh, <laughs> that happen that certainly don't define us. To tell people that this is yes a piece of us, but only albeit a very small one, and to to say hey this is who we are, put it out there, take it or leave it, and I'm sure in the future there's going to be people who who continue to bring up the things that I have done in my past, um, and I don't know if there's a there's really not a way around. I mean you, they just bring it up and they. You know, and what do you do to respond? Sometimes nothing, right? Sometimes no response yeah. is the best response. Mm-hmm. But this, it, it, for me personally, Ryan, it had gotten to a point where I needed to respond oh, because sure. this, uh, this was I was I was I was done with this. I was done with little snarky remarks. I was done with you know nobody's like running around lying about me. Okay, slandering me in private because they're too afraid to say anything to my face. Okay, and on and and I think another very important thing on this show is that everybody needs to know that if you have some sort of fault like this, especially if somebody's trying to use it against you, that the the political advocates in mass are not going to judge you on it. Okay. You don't have to listen to what these these blackmailers say and do. You don't you don't have to fall victim to their scummy politics. Right. Okay, we can stand up and we can take our party back. Okay, we can bring the Republican Party back to a a a party that is accepting and is not right. judgmental and is not vindictive. One one thing I'd like to you know mention you know my my grandmother will do this thing where she'll talk about her neighbors or you know other old ladies she knows and she'll say oh you know she's so horrible that i can't even describe the things she does and and then you'll press her on it and then she'll talk about what her neighbor does and what some enemy of hers does and it's always something really ridiculous like who would even care about that it's not as bad as implications and that's kind of the thing I specifically with, with with Eric with this is I heard all a bunch of stuff about what a big dumb doo-doo head he was, you know, all summer long. And then, you know, a few weeks ago you posted something and it was like, oh, like that's it? Like seriously, that's it? Like, that yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound hype. like it's that bad. You're really not that big dumb doo-doo head. So. And, so, no, and John, like that's... That. And th- but th- that's the way that we need to respond to this, okay? So the next time somebody's like 911 tape from 15 years ago gets released, or some other dirt about somebody, our response as a party needs to be so. Yeah. Like so what? Like let's talk about taxes. That should be our response, okay? That's how we can stop this. Yeah, I mean, so you know, we have about a minute and 45 left. Um, I'm glad we could talk about this. Uh, I've talked about some things that I haven't talked about in depth before. People know they're out there. I mean, you you, you go online, you find the court cases, you read it. I pretty much covered that. Um, But uh, people aren't going to use against me. I mean, they they might, but um, this is me. Uh, This is a guy that is flawed, that is working to, to be just 
an everyday decent person for him for his family for his kids and for himself um and that's that's all i can do eric i know you're in the same boat yeah yeah i i mean honestly i you know <laughs> i just want my i want my family fed i want to have a nice house and i want to like you know do cool things on computers yeah that's what i want to do stay, and not only that we're going to stay in politics eric and i um, you know, you can choose whether or not you want to listen to us, and quite frankly, we do this because it's a hobby. And but you, but every time you disagree with us, you're not just going to be able to pull something out of, you know, off the internet and say, and wave it in front of our face and, and and others in a Facebook group and say, see, these guys are bad guys. Well, excuse me, that's that's not how this game is going to work anymore. So um, that's why we did this show, um, and we're. I, I enjoyed the discussion. Uh, Eric, you and I are going to talk a lot more about uh, the upcoming races. Um, and to the uh, and John, I thank you for calling in. So, look, we have 10 me. seconds left. Uh, my name is Ryan Miner, Eric Beasley. Um, we're with a minordetail.com. Find us on the web. Thanks, guys, and have a good night.